Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, Raider Nation. Let's go. Welcome to Just Pod, baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. I do want to take a quick second here right at the top of the show to thank all of you out there for listening to the show this year and for all of your support, all of the feedback and the conversations that I've had with so many of you on social media. None of this would be possible without you guys, without you guys subscribing and tuning in each week. Um, Again, none of this would be possible. So very much appreciative Um, of the support that you guys have given me. If you are still not subscribed to the show or maybe you're listening for the first time, get on board. Click the subscribe button and and, uh, make sure you're getting all the new episodes each week. Now, Just Pod Baby is available on all the major podcasting platforms. I also have a website dedicated to the the podcast, justpodbaby.com. You can find all of the episodes um, archived there and also now on sportsnot.com right on the home page there is a tab for podcasts right at the top if you click on that uh, you will see not only my podcast uh, which you can listen to all the episodes there as well uh, but there's other podcasts other types of other sports other teams I know you're looking for Raiders information but there are some other sports there and we are looking to continue to build and add to that podcast network um, as we go along here um, you can also follow me on Twitter at egrope 5 I love discussing all things Raiders with you guys. I'm always up for a good, healthy debate. So feel free to, uh, feel free to contact me there um, as well. But again, thank you very much for your support that you have shown me through the years um, here on the podcast. Well, it's a Christmas Eve game for the Raiders on Saturday night in Pittsburgh. Supposed to be frigid temperatures. Many parts of the country are, are dealing with this, this storm that's, that's rolling through here. Very cold temperatures uh, from this winter storm. I know here in western New York, we are supposed to get it uh, tomorrow. Schools close on Friday already. Um, so we're going to be hunkered down here at the Grote House for the, for the holidays. Uh, but anyways, we will get into the matchup with the Steelers this week on the show. Well, we do have a guest. We will be joined by Jerry Dulac from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette to give us some of his thoughts on the matchup and to get you a good feel for the opponent this week, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, also, of course, I, I do uh, have to mention the passing of Steelers legend running back Franco Harris. Um, if there was ever a player... Um, for, from another organization that was as connected to the Raiders, it has to be Franco Harris. You know, going back to the Immaculate Re- Reception game, which is being celebrated this week, uh, being that it is the 50th year anniversary of that game, Harris was to have his jersey retired uh, at halftime of the game. Uh, they purposely put the Raiders and Steelers game in prime time on Saturday night just to, you know, kind of recognize the anniversary of the game. So, not only a sad loss for the people of Pittsburgh, but but just for fans of the NFL in general. From everything that I have read this week um, on the passing of Harris, 
you know, he was a just absolute class act, great ambassador for the game, uh, for the NFL, and and a very good friend of of Raiders linebacker uh, Phil uh, Villapiano. So just a, a really sad week for uh, the Harris family and the NFL. So I, I did want to mention that uh, here at the top. A couple of the other topics that I want to hit on today. Um, I have to at least mention <laughs> that crazy finish to last week's game versus the Patriots. Still very much in shock um, almost a week later. Also, I want to discuss the Raiders defense this week a little bit with you. You know, they've been under a lot of scrutiny all season long. Uh, but the question that I want to pose to you this evening is, have they turned the corner recently? What do you think? Think about it and we'll get into it. Are they playing better football lately? I'll give you my opinion on that. And then the final topic for uh, this week is, of course, the cold temperatures that I mentioned um, at the top in the intro there. Cold weather car, you know, that's going to be a big topic here. Anytime he is involved in a game uh, with cold temperatures, you know the conversation is going to come up about the struggles that he has had. So we're going to get into some of that as well this week. So busy show planned for you. Uh, Let's jump right in now. I want to go back just a few days to Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, fourth quarter, 10 seconds on the clock, and Ramondre Stevens, Stevenson excuse me, takes a handoff, finds some room, is able to run for 23 yards to the outside, and then makes a critical mistake. The first critical mistake on that play was for him to lateral that ball uh, to Jacoby Myers, who then made an even more critical mistake by running backwards 15 to 20 yards, and, and then the, the play became a, a complete disaster when he decided that throwing the ball, again, lateraling the ball back to Mac Jones uh, was, was a good idea. And, of course, you know the rest is history. Chandler Jones um, is standing right there, intercepts the ball, and takes it to the house for the most unconventional win you will ever see. Um, you, you, know, you may never see something as wild as that in all the years that you, you know, will watch football. Um, and the thing that really amazes me is that it happened with a Bill Belichick coach football team. That is the type of play that you just do not see his teams make very often. Um, So I was really shocked um, to see that play go down. And, you know, who knows what would have happened had the game gone to overtime. Um, But, you know, Raider fans, you don't need to apologize to anyone for the outcome of that game. We all know how many times that the Raiders have come up on the opposite end of a game like that. Um, Last season um, was definitely a memorable season for the Raiders for several reasons. Some of the reasons very good and some also very bad. But this season, I will also remember for a very long time for the number of close games, the wacky fashion in which some of these games were won and lost on. I mean, you just don't see these types of things happen that often, and yet it is happening for the Raiders very often this season. So it's just just been a bizarre season for the Raiders. But nonetheless, that win kept the season alive at least for another week, and it gives them something to play for this weekend. Late December football games, that actually means something, and that's really all you can ask for as a fan. Uh, before I get into... Uh, this weekend's game on Saturday, I do want to spend some time talking about the Raiders defense. And I think this is a good topic 
um, because they have been among one of the worst defenses in the league for a very long time. You guys are very well aware at this point of, you know, the struggles that the Raiders defenses defenses have have had uh, since Derek Carr has been the quarterback of the team. It's been historically bad. Um, and, and 2022 really has been not that much different. Um, now, I, I suggested that when the Raiders were 2-7, and seven, I thought Patrick Graham could be made a scapegoat. I thought he could be fired at that point, but he's still around. He's still here. And I think it's fair to say, in my opinion, I think he's turned the defense around and he does have them playing better football right now. You may not agree with me. I will tell you a couple of reasons why I believe that is the case. Now, let's take a look back at the last five games. The Raiders are 4-1 and one during that time. And there, of course, there's several factors for the record. It's not all on the defense, you know, uh, but I think they were a big part of that. And also another factor is that they haven't exactly played the most elite teams in the league with the most elite quarterbacks, the Broncos, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Patriots. They also did uh, beat the Chargers in that time. But during those games, the defense only allowed 20 points a game on average. Now, I know that's not necessarily anything to write home about, 20 points, but it is an improvement when you look at the previous nine games when they were allowing an average of 25 points per game. There's also been some other areas of improvement that I think are important to discuss. The pass rush, they're getting home more often. 25 sacks right now on the season. 15 of those 25 sacks have come in the last five games. Max Crosby, he's finally getting some help. It's been a long time. Chandler Jones, he's come alive a bit recently, making his presence felt. Obviously, he had the walk-off touchdown last week. And don't forget, he also had that big three-sack performance against the Chargers, a game that they won. So he's starting to make um, some more impact plays, something that I have talked a lot about that's been lacking with this Raiders defense. How about the turnovers? Turnovers forced. Yes, I know. If you look at the rankings, they're still 31st in the NFL, which is not nearly good enough but it has been slightly better. In the last five games, the Raiders defense has five of their 11 takeaways. So, you know, I'm seeing some small improvements there. Sacks and turnovers can often uh, be game-changing plays. They can change the complexion of a game, getting your offense, more opportunities to get back onto the field, to score the ball. That's going to help you out. So although they are small improvements, I do believe they have helped this team. Now, I know that some of you are probably sitting there and you're going to take the opposite approach and and tell me all about the blown leads. And I do agree with you that, you know, that that has happened far too often um, this season and and they they blew another lead last week. Um, But what I would say to you is that um, that's not all on the defense, And so I think there's more to it than that. And I'll use the Patriots game as an example to help try to explain uh, my position on that. The Raiders led 17-3 at halftime. The defense comes out, forces a punt in the Patriots' first possession of the second half. The offense then gets the ball back, and two plays later, Derek Carr threw the pick six. So now the score is 17-10, third quarter. Raiders punt on their next possession, only a six-play drive and punt. Defense then comes back out in the field, holds the Patriots to a field goal, 17-13 Raiders. Raiders offense again, punts. 
Three plays and out this time. Defense gives up a, another field goal on the uh, Patriots' ensuing drive. 17-16 Raiders lead. Offense comes back on the field for the Raiders and punts two more times. Two consecutive possessions ended in punts. Defense for the Raiders forces a punt. And then on the their final possession there, that is when Ramondre Stevenson had that touchdown run to give the Patriots the go-ahead lead uh, 24-17. Now, credit to the Raiders' offense because even after the pick six, and I believe it was five punts, five possessions that resulted in a punt, when they needed to go down the field and score, they did that. Nine plays, 81 yards, resulted in a touchdown on a beautiful pass by Derek Carr to Keelan Cole, which was a very controversial play. Then I'm not really going to get into that because it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, but the fact of the matter is um, the defense the defense limited the Patriots to field goals, and that's important. That is that is those are huge plays, and and a couple of a couple of punts in the second half as well. But the offense, when you look at the offense, they were not productive at all in the second half. Punted five times, the pick six I mentioned, and then the, the touchdown drive there. That was a clutch touchdown drive. Don't get me wrong, but the complimentary football that I so often talk about was just not there. And, and that's really been a huge, huge problem uh, for the Raiders this season. But again, you know, going back to the, the main topic here, I, I do believe there has been some slight improvements on defense, um, albeit against you know quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, who was a shell of his former self, Geno Smith, who yes, he's having a decent year, but you know we're talking about Geno Smith here, Baker Mayfield. Uh, Justin Herbert and Mac Jones. The only real good quarterback in that group is is Justin Herbert, and the Raiders actually won that game. So uh, if we're being objective, which is what I always try to do here on the show, then I think the defense deserves some props right now because we're we're very critical of them when they don't perform, and I think this week they deserve some some credit. So I'm, I wanted to make sure that I I gave it to them. Let me know what you think. You guys know how to reach out to me on Twitter. Now, I do have one last topic that I wanted to get here uh, to in segment one, and that is the game, of course. Saturday's game in Pittsburgh, the bitter cold temperatures that are expected at game time. Uh, cold weather Derek Carr, you know, he is he up for the challenge? Um, you know, the data and the numbers out there suggest that, you know, there is something to it. Uh, you know, I, I was looking up some numbers myself today and, and what I found, and, and this was from, this was from last year in January prior to the Bengals playoff game. Uh, so at that time he was 0-5 in games where the kickoff temperature was below 37 degrees and his offenses have never scored more than 17 points in those games and had only, um, one game of those five with a passer rating over 78. Now you have to add last year's playoff game uh, to those tallies. So he is now 0-6 in 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 um, in those games because it was 32 degrees uh, last year uh, at kickoff in Cincinnati. You know, you look at the numbers. Carr was 29 to 54, 310 yards passing, um, one touchdown. He had the interception, and his passer rating was 69.2. Uh, uh, the offense did score 19 points in that game, um, just to throw that out there. And they did have a chance to win the game at the end, which is, of course, the most important uh, part of the game. But anyhow, early reports are that it's going to be very, very cold, 10 degrees. Uh, 
you got to add in the wind chill factor uh, that what I read is going to make it feel like negative 10 degrees. And those of you who are not familiar with with wind chill, those of you who might be listening from, you know, the West Coast or, you know, down south in the Florida area or are just not familiar with wind chill. I know about it all too well here living in New York State my entire life. It is it is no joke. It, it is something that when that wind gets whipping, you can literally feel it in your bones. It's, it's not fun. And, uh, you know, from what I've been reading online, checking the weather report, wind gusts up to 30 miles per hour, um, says snow showers in certain spots. And, and this is a direct quote from AccuWeather.com. Coldest Christmas Eve in years. Bundle up. So it's going to be a, a cold game for sure. It'll be interesting to see how some of these Raiders players adjust who just are not you know, used to playing in these cold temperatures, not used to practicing in these cold temperatures. It's certainly going to be a factor in the game. Now, both teams have to deal with it. Don't get me wrong, but you, you would think that the Steelers playing on the East Coast, again, practicing in this weather, they're going to have the advantage there. Now, last week on the podcast, we spoke about what to look for in the final four games. I've got one for you this week. How about Derek Carr proving some of his doubters wrong in playing well in a cold weather game? I think that would be something to look for this week. You know, I don't have all of the exact temperatures of those cold weather games here in front of me, but I think it's um, safe to say this will be the coldest one um, of his career. I believe there was a pretty chilly day in Kansas City a couple of years ago, but I, I do think um, this one is supposed to be, you know, a little bit colder. So can Derek Carr shed the belief out there by some and some of the data that would suggest that's that's true? Um, but can can he, um, you know, play better and kind of um, erase some of those struggles that he has had in, in less than ideal weather? You know, this is a guy who grew up on the West Coast, played some of his high school football in the state of Texas when his brother was with uh, Houston. Uh, before moving back to California, if I'm not mistaken, to finish out his high school career. Spent four years at Fresno State and has played all nine years of his career in Oakland, California or Las Vegas. So I I do believe, you know, there's something to it. it. It's just something that you have to be adjusted to. And it's not something you can adjust to in a weekend. It's something that, you know, you have to spend a lot of time in and just, you know, your body has to acclimate to it. And it's the same as a cold weather team um, traveling to Miami. It, it normally affects them as well. We see that, we see Miami have that advantage uh, many, many, many times. Now, I would expect the game plan to be a little bit more run heavy, you know, lean on Josh Jacobs. Um, although me personally, I would I would prefer a big day from Devontae Adams. I do have him on my fantasy team. I'm in the semifinals. So I would personally love to see Derek Carr have a huge day because that would most likely mean that Adams is having a good day as well. But based on what we have seen in the past, I'm just not so sure we can expect big time passing numbers um, in this one. Now, keep in mind, Pittsburgh defense, they are ranked 24th and passing yards allowed. So that is an area of weakness for them. So, you know, if Carr is able to manage the cold temperatures and, and um, do a good job of distributing the ball, that could be an area where they look to attack uh, the Steelers. Now, one thing to note here before we get to break is the injury report. Josh Jacobs is not listed. It's been That's the first time that he has been not listed on that report in a long time, but I do see Zamir White is. 
Um, not that White has gotten much work this season, but you know, if you do decide to go run heavy with Jacobs or just the run game in general, you know, he may need a blow here and there. So it could be Abdullah or Bolden as the number two back this week. Now, the other note from the injury report that I wanted to mention is the status of a couple offensive linemen, Alex Bars and, and Dylan Parham, both both guards. Um, they are also both dealing with some injuries right now. They both were limited this week in practice, and they did get the questionable tag as well. But it's possible they could be without both of them versus a pretty good Steelers uh, run defense, which is ranked seventh in in the NFL. Uh, pretty stout against the run. We know about TJ Watt on the edge, uh, Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi. They got a very good front, Highsmith on the other end. So, um, you know, not sure how much movement they'll be able to get in the run game should Bars and Parham uh, both be out. And, and also some concerns there, um, you know, protecting Derek Carr in the passing game as well. One of the things that I might like to see in this game is maybe utilize the short passing game. You know, the screen game is something that I thought we would see a lot more of this season, have not really seen it as much. Um, maybe we see more of that this week, but again, I'm just not sure how much downfield passing they're going to be able to do with the with the wind, with the cold temperature. So maybe utilize some of the screen game, maybe get some short passes out to Renfro and, and, and Devontae Adams in space and let them try to make some plays with their legs. Either way, uh, it should be a good game. Both teams still alive in the playoff hunt. We get to see rookie uh, quarterback Kenny Pickett uh, for the Steelers. And, and, and in contrast to Carr, you know, Pickett, while I'm on the topic of him real quick, he grew up on the East Coast, played his high school football in the state of New Jersey, went on to play college ball at the University of Pitt. So he's much more familiar with, you know, playing football in the elements and the colder temperatures. And he does wear those those gloves on both hands. So, you know, that'll be something that he's very much accustomed to doing, nothing new to him. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see what Derek Carr decides to do. But that could be something that, you know, he has to adjust to is is wearing a glove on that throwing ham. And I, and I do believe that is something that he has done in the past um, during some of these cold weather games. All right, guys, uh, that's enough from me here in segment one. I'm going to get to a break. When we return, we will be joined by Steelers insider for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Jerry Dulac. Uh, we're going to take a deeper dive with him into the Steelers, and we're going to get you guys all set up for Christmas Eve and primetime Raiders versus the Steelers. Coming right back, don't go anywhere. Just Pod Baby Week 16 continues, brought to you by Sportsnot.com. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, all right, we're back here. Segment two, just Pod Baby Week 16. Had to go with a little Frank Sinatra there to bring us in here on this week of Christmas. Raiders, of course, playing on Christmas Eve in primetime against the Steelers. Um, we're going to continue the conversation of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to do that, we're going to welcome in our guest this week, Jerry Dulac. He is a Steelers beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time here. And Jay, uh, Jerry, uh, happy holidays and, and thanks for hopping on the show with us. 
Well, Evan, thank you, and uh, glad to be with you on what is certain to be uh, pretty soon here in about five or six hours, a miserable night here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I hear you. I'm actually located in western New York, so we're getting some oh, some, then yeah, there you go. <laughs> some bad weather, too. Uh, before we get into the specifics uh, uh, with the matchup between the Raiders and the Steelers, I, I want to talk to you about the passing of Steelers legend Franco Harris. Raider fans are very familiar uh, with with Franco Harris because of the immaculate reception game, which is you know the fiftieth year anniversary this week, and you know throughout his life he really developed relationship with uh, former Raiders linebacker Phil Villapiano, uh, and and that relationship with Phil kind of developed into the whole fan base kind of accepting uh, Harris not as not as this this villain that maybe they saw him as years ago, but as as the guy who truly he truly was as this this caring you know thoughtful person and they would attend games together both in in Oakland and in Pittsburgh and so um, I, I just found that kind of fascinating and, and you can actually you can you can see the impact that Harris had you know on the people of Pittsburgh and the fans there and you know just having been such a big part of that franchise could you just just shed some light uh, on that impact that he had, um, and, and just just tell us some of the things that that people are saying about him as they now reflect back on his life. Well, Franco's impact on the on the organization is um, is just tremendous. You know, Joe Green is is often cited as uh, when he was drafted in 1969. Joe is cited as the cornerstone of the franchise. And he is, he was, and he is. But it all changed when Franco got here in 72 as a rookie from Penn State. And, um, you know, he was one rookie of the year. Um, you know, his, the Franco's Italian army uh, was, became a craze not only here, but really across the country. The Steelers trained in Palm Springs uh, before one of their games, I guess, I think against the Chargers maybe. And they inducted Frank Sinatra, who was there to practice, into Franco's Italian Army. It just received a lot of a national attention. And that, that was the beginning of the frenzy of Steeler fans that continues to this day, that, that dominates opposing stadiums. And, and part of the reason for that, Evan, is the heyday of the Steelers, the four Super Bowls in six, in six years, was during the 1970s. And that was at the height of the steel industry in Pittsburgh. And then in the 80s, when the steel industry began to collapse, um, a lot of Pittsburghers, uh, uh, you know, became transplanted. And they're all over the country. And that's why the Steelers have a massive following wherever they go. I think it's the greatest phenomenon in sports uh, when I go to every stadium in the league. And it's just incredible. I don't care what stadium it is, how hot the team is, how tough the ticket is. um, They find their way into the stadium. And, and to the point where, in some instances, they dominate uh, the crowd on the road. And, and it all started with Franco. And after Franco retired, he stayed here in Pittsburgh. And his impact on the community was just as great. Uh, he's a man of a great humility, um, kindness, grace. Um, Jerome, I'm trying to think of Jerome Bettis or Jack Ham told me yesterday or today, yeah, yesterday that he's a, he was a great listener. You, you know, if you talked, he would listen. He was a guy who made you feel like you were the most important person in the room when no matter what room you were in, he was the most important person in the room. 
because he's such an icon. But that's the way Franco made you feel because that's the kind of person he was. Yeah, and, and then, everybody that you can't find anybody to say one negative word about the guy, and he is no question he's a Pittsburgh icon. And his passing is just very, very sad. The timing is just unimaginable uh, to the point that when I heard Wednesday morning, you didn't want to believe it. You go, you're kidding. Everybody had the same reaction. It's just stunning, stunning news coming three days before this big anniversary and celebration because Franco was everywhere. U.S. wasn't sick. And even the day that he died, that Tuesday, he was on, he was on Sirius radio. He was at the Pittsburgh history center. He was on a podcast with Cam Hayward and uh, he passed away that evening, but he's been very active, very visible. And, and, and so it was just because everybody had seen him and heard him, geez, just about every day for a month or two. And then to have that happen, it was just unbelievable to everybody. Yeah, and it's very interesting. You mentioned uh, you know him being on Sirius Satellite Radio that day. I actually listened to the interview. I was listening to you. It was on with yeah. Chris, Chris Russo, and I was listening to the interview. Yes. And then, of course, I saw the, the, the news the following day. So, you know, very much everyone in shock. Um, and I did see the, a piece you put out this week for the Post-Gazette where you compared um, the loss of Franco Harris with another Pittsburgh icon, uh, Roberto Clemente. And I thought that was a very, very well done piece by you. So I encourage everyone to go out there and check that out. But I do want to, yeah, it um, hit the city. Ahead. It go hit ahead. the city. I was just going to say it hit the city the same way. I mean, you know, Clemente had just, um, in 72, his, what turned out to be his final game was when he got his 3000 hit. And then, you know, the news of, of him being killed in a plane crash, um, Actually, eight days after the Immaculate Reception, I mean, was 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 same deal. It just stunned the city, and and Franco's passing um, had the same the same kick in the stomach uh, effect on the city. Yeah, very unfortunate, like you said, with the timing, and you know, obviously, uh, my heart goes out to all the Steelers fans and and, and fans of the NFL because he was an icon, you know, throughout the league as well. But um, I, I don't want to keep it too long here. I do want to get into a few other things here. Um, let's let's get into the game a little bit here. You mentioned the big storyline uh, when I brought you in. It's going to be all about the weather. It's supposed to be really chilly at kickoff. Could you give us like the latest update or report that you have on, on what the weather might look like on Saturday night? Yeah, well, the cold front's moving in tomorrow, and the high temperature tomorrow is one degree, and that's not counting the wind chill. And Saturday, I think the high is supposed to be 11 with the wind chill of sub-zero, and of course, the game is at night. So, I mean, it's going to be cold. There's no doubt about it. Um, There's no forecast for snow Saturday, as far as I know, Uh, nothing substantial at least, but it's going to be cold. And, uh, you know, the Raiders run, the Steelers have been running the ball very well. Um, and Josh Jacobs, Jacobs, of course, leads the NFL in rushing. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit of a reliance on that. I think the biggest problem, I think the Raiders, Evan, are a bad matchup for the Steelers. And I say that because they could, they could going up to stop the run like they did against Carolina, but they could do that against Carolina because there's no fear of their passing game of their vertical passing game. That's not true with the Raiders. Uh, they're a bad matchup because they can go over the top to Devontae Adams. And every time the Steelers have played big play receivers this year, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown in Philadelphia, T. Higgins, they've all had monster games, 146 yards, 158 yards, three touchdowns, nine catches, 10 catches. 
those guys, the Steelers secondary, their corners are just average at best. And, and I think that's where, that's why I say, I think it's a bad matchup because if you want to spend your time worrying about the deep pass, then, you know, now all, or the pass over the middle to Darren Waller, who's back, um, then all of a sudden that creates maybe some running opportunities. I just think it's a bad matchup because of the big play receiver yeah, um, against good, the Steelers. Yeah, good, good, interesting stuff there. I know that the, the Steelers have a, a pretty good run defense, ranked seventh in the NFL. So it should be interesting right. to see if if Derek Carr, who has struggled in cold weather games, is able to to get something going through the air. We are chatting with uh, our guest this week, Jerry Dulac, uh, Steelers beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Uh, let's talk about Kenny Pickett. You know, he's going to be back under center this week for the Steelers. He's played in only ten games uh, this year, so not a huge sample size. But what are you seeing with the development of the young quarterback? back well you know he's come along a little faster uh, than they thought now he hasn't exactly lit the league on fire but one thing he has done since the bye week uh, he had thrown seven interceptions and two touchdowns in like his first four games and he came out of the bye week and he knew the biggest uh, problem that he had to correct was um, not taking care of the football and since he's been back from the bye week he has not thrown an interception in those four games. And so he's been very good for a rookie quarterback to understand that um, and to protect the ball the way he has and still make some plays. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that he's done. And he has, uh, he's probably ahead of where they thought, hasn't exactly translated to victories, um, but you know, they're committed to playing him. They're committed to developing him. Uh, living with his mistakes, you know, is the offense, uh, you know, at his full disposal? No, because it's just not for a rookie quarterback. Is he adept at reading defenses and going through his progressions? Uh, no, because he's, he's a rookie quarterback. But that's all part of the learning process, and they seem content on letting him learn, uh, sometimes at the expense of victories. Um, but he's, he's progressed slowly, and you can see he has – the thing I notice about him the most is he's very calm and he's very poised. You know, he doesn't play rattled in the pocket. Eh, you know, he's had a little happy feet and takes off running. But when he's determined to stay in the pocket, he does. And uh, I, think, I think that translates to the players. He's, not, you, he's a guy that you can tell the stage is not too big for him. What about Najee Harris? Not having the, the sophomore campaign that many had hoped for. His numbers are down across the board. Uh, is that a product of a, a poor offensive line and playing with a rookie quarterback, or is there, is there more to it? No, I mean, I think what's happened here the last four games is Najee's looked as be- the best that he has since he's been here. He's been, you know, he hasn't had those 100 yard games, uh, but he's been very good. And they're also playing Jalen Warren. They're, they're not playing him every snap. They're not throwing him the ball or handing the ball off to him. He's not having 30-some touches a game, which is what happened last year, which to me was a big problem with the offense because there weren't. it was like they wanted to run the offense around a rookie running back. And it just, you know, they ganged up on him. And, uh, you know, his body took a beating. It has to when you touch it more than any other player in the National Football League. But they've been able to lessen those touches. Um, but he's looked very good the last four, uh, the last four games. And um, their offensive line is the biggest improvement on the team from what they were in the preseason and the concern everybody had because of how poorly they were playing. Um, their running game, the biggest reason for their big improvement in the run game is their offensive line. And um, that's been 
that's actually been much, much improved over last year. Final one I have for you before I let you run. Uh, I was going through the injury report, and, and I see there's a lot of key players who uh, did not practice on Thursday for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, Cameron Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, George Pickens, uh, you know, some other players listed on the report as well. What, what can you tell us on the status uh, of some of these key guys for, for Pittsburgh? Well, any time in a short week, uh, Mike Tomlin is going to be very careful about resting veteran players or anybody who has any kind of nagging injury. And so I wouldn't read too much into that injury report. He's just being careful. Um, you know, so they still have tomorrow. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't, uh, I, you know, I don't know what the status is of George Pickens. But when you see a veteran player who's on that injury list, whatever, you know, probable, as long as they don't list him as doubtful, typically in a short week, that's just Mike Tomlin being very careful with those guys especially Cam Hayward. Larry Ogunjobi's no, not a, a spring chicken either, um, and he's battled some injuries. They're just being careful with those guys, that's all. And, and I fully expect all of them to play uh, against the Raiders. All right, great insight there, Jerry. We appreciate the time, and uh, uh, try to stay warm this weekend, right? Huh. <laughs> Enjoy- uh, that's going to be the number one priority. Absolutely. Enjoy the game. Thank you for the time, and, and happy holidays. Yeah, thank you, Evan. Nice chatting with you. All right, Jerry Dulac there, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Good stuff there. Uh, Had a lot of great things to say about Franco Harris. Obviously, that is going to be a big part of the broadcast, I'm sure, this weekend, is they're going to spend a lot of time talking about the the Immaculate Reception game and and the passing of Franco Harris. So I thought it was worth, you know, talking about it although we're a, you know we're a Raiders podcast here it's it's going to be a big storyline this weekend uh during the game and I, and I I think one of the takeaways from the conversation there is he he's pretty convinced that the Raiders are going to be able to beat the Steelers you know on on deep passing plays down the field uh he mentioned a couple of the big games that opposing receivers have had on the Steelers defense that 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 makes me happy. I mentioned uh, Devonte Adams being on the fantasy team. I just wonder, you know, with the wind gusts and again that that cold weather, will it, you know, will Derek Carr be able to to deliver those deep balls, and will the offensive line be able to protect him? You know, a banged up offensive line going up against a really good front. We'll have to see how that all plays out. All right, guys, time for me to get out of here. Believe it or not. I have some last minute Christmas present wrapping to do. I'm trying to get it all done uh, so that when that game kicks off on Sunday night, I can sit back, relax with an adult beverage and just enjoy this game. It's going to be bitter cold here in Western New York. I want to have that fireplace cranked up, Christmas tree going, and I want to enjoy it. So I hope that you all do the same. Those of you that are dealing with this winter storm, be safe out there. Uh, stay warm and take care. And again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you out there. We'll be back again same time next week. Until then, everyone, I'm Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby. <laughs>